Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Uh, this is episode 62 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, Daryl, as always, and it's good to be here. Uh, first time listeners, welcome. Repeats, those coming back for another dose, uh, welcome back. This is going to be the last show uh, before I go on holiday. Uh, I'm going away for uh, a couple weeks uh, with my wife. We're going over to uh, an island uh, for an all-inclusive, which we haven't done uh, in years. So really looking forward to that, but we're going to kind of combine uh, a couple of bits in today's show because I want to talk about some things that have been going on. Uh, it's been a very, and it kind of actually led me to thinking about covering it all in one show because it, you know, it follows a trend. It follows sort of a theme, I think, of, of what this week has has been about. You know, everything in this, everything big this week has been about combat and it rings true as a theme throughout the things that I've thought about talking about on today's show. And that led me, you know, based on its theme of, of, uh, of combat, of combative, uh, combative interactions. I was like, well, I was going to do a separate show about the UFC 231, but what I figured is I'll look at the card. Um, I'll pick out some fights on that and, uh, and we'll discuss that at the very end of the show. So, um, if you guys are up for that, then stick around and we'll do that uh, at the very end. I'm going to cover about four or five fights, I think, off the card that's in Toronto this weekend. But it's uh, it's beginning of December. Everybody's got their Christmas tree up now. Everybody's fallen straight into the theme of Christmas as they normally do. Of course, the grocery stores have had their Christmas decorations and um, gift sections built up since... Halloween, so we've had plenty of time to prep, but <laughs> I haven't done a thing. Anyways, it's December 1st. We're not doing any of our Christmas stuff in terms of decorating until we get back from this holiday, um, and then we'll have a couple of weeks where we'll uh, where we'll keep it up and enjoy it. And I think that might actually be better because, you know, it just becomes how your house is if you do it for, you know, a full month. I find by the end of it, I'm like, okay, cool, get the tree down, you know, but I think we might enjoy it a little bit more now, especially coming back off holiday, but never mind. Um, as I said, it's December and we're, you know, we're, we're straight into it and everybody loves it and everybody gets it, you know, gets it going with the Christmas tree and the lights and all the decorations and the carols come on and, you know, and I'm a sucker for it too because I love Christmas, um, especially now that I've got, you know, my own family and, you know, it's important, but, um, but I jump straight in as well. So when I cook, when I'm working from home and I cook breakfast in the morning, I've been putting the, the Christmas carols on and, you know, getting into the vibe of things that way. And then I, and, and this goes straight into the theme of what I guess today's show is going to be about, which is, you know, how a lot of the, all the things that I've picked out to talk about today are about combat and, you know, combat's in, you know, mutual combat or there's an assault, you know, there's there's different forms of combat. But in terms of it flowing straight into December and, you know, getting into the Christmas spirit, I read this article on the BBC about an assault on Christmas carols, like an attack, uh, an attack on, on Christmas carols. And there's this DJ in America, uh, I think his name's Glenn Anderson or Greg Anderson or something like that. 
and maybe you've heard of this, and if you have, then just bear with me, but um, the song Baby It's Cold Outside, right? You know the song, I'm not going to fucking sing it, but it's in the movie Elf, and it's been in Christmas movies forever, you know, it's a classic, and it's effectively, you know, Baby It's Cold Outside, you know, uh, you know, stay and have another drink and blah 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 and this dj has come out and said that in the me too movement it is now an inappropriate song and has removed it from his playlist because we live in a world of what do you say oversensitivity or hypersensitivity or something like that and i'm just like okay cool so not only an attack on christmas carols but an attack on common sense uh, uh you know an art form <laughs> you know an attack on an attack for the sake of an attack you know it's like with all of the music that's out there today this dj has decided that in the spirit of christmas that that song is offensive in the spirit of the Me Too movement with people's oversensitivity on things, that this is too offensive to be played on the radio now, right? So songs from Kanye West that have lyrics like, you're such a fucking hoe, I love it, are cool. It's a pop song, right? Every single music video that is being made on television from Justin Bieber to fucking Taylor Swift have more sexual innuendo and just pure graphic exploitation of, say, the female body than Baby It's Cold Outside The Christmas Carol, right? Baby It's Cold Outside... What is it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, citing that it's implying date rape because one of the lyrics from the woman in the duo is baby, what's in this drink or something like that, implying he's roofied her. He's like Bill Cosbying her. Like what is going on? In this person's mind, when they hear that Christmas carol and go straight to, this is offensive, this implies date rape, this implies manipulation, this implies persuasion and uh, forcefulness. I mean, if I wasn't going to get pulled off a of SoundCloud, I'd play you the song. But it's, it's just ludicrous to me that this, this movement has any vo like I understand I'll have a voice because everything has a voice based on, you know, hierarchies and progressiveness and everything like that. Excuse me for the, you know, dropping progressiveness in there and, and all of that. I've been listening to Jordan Peterson lately and not lately, uh, continuously, but, you know, he's been, uh, he did an interview with GQ and I mean, the guy's such a legend. Anyways, um, there's just this thing, right, where... If, if you can be offended, it's virtue signaling. It's virtue signaling. This guy wants to appeal to a certain demographic. You know, I don't know anything about this guy, so I'm completely speaking out of turn, but this one move alone says so much about him. The fact that he would make this call 
like autonomously is just laughable with what's out there to compare it to as a standard of normality in the music industry. Like, when was this song made? 50 years ago? 60 years ago? But this isn't the first time. You know, people went after Geldof for Do You Know It's Christmas. People have tried to insinuate. It's in the same BBC article. Um, you know, people insinuate that there's racist origins to Jingle Bells playing off of minstrel type music. Like, it's just, it's, it's actually exhausting. It's, just, it's actually exhausting seeing this much absurdity. But it's, it's just, like I said, it's virtue signaling and it's being combative. It's being combative to like appeal to a very, very small portion because I guarantee you if you were to poll 10 people randomly and said, what do you think about Baby It's Cold Outside? And you played it for them. They'd be like, yeah, cool. It's a Christmas carol. So what? You know? For this guy to hear that lyric and go straight to, like I said, date rape or manipulation or anything like that says a lot about that person in terms of their insecurities, uh, in terms of their wanting to maybe build an audience. I don't know what this radio station is, how big it is or anything like that, but I know that this is a weak, bitch-ass move that allows anyone that wants to virtue signal over progressiveness and show themselves as the most progressive another thing to get their hooks into. And now what? You start being come you you will become a misogynist if you happen to play this particular song or any song in the future that has the slightest you know whiff of something they don't like or they don't agree with. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. And if that song offends you, you're definitely not right. You're wrong in so many ways. But your opinion, whatever it may be, is not a fact. And I think if that DJ doesn't like that song, then he doesn't have to listen to it. But maybe a ton of his listeners do. I don't know what the backlash is. I haven't followed. I just read this article and I, just, I was like, this is absurd. This is absolutely absurd. And then you, <clears throat> you know, you read the entire article and you realize, of course, this is not the first time, you know? So I just thought like, we're right into Christmas and somebody's got a problem with Christmas. But go back, right? Merry Christmas. Can't do that. Happy holidays. That was a thing in, um, in America, and Canada that people were trying to do. And it's just like, what? Like, what are you talking about? I'm saying Merry Christmas if I want to. Like, who the fuck are you? But this is, you know, this is how people like to fight. You know, they'll, they'll just, they'll just do something for the sake of doing it. There's no conviction in this. You think this guy's really offended? He just wanted to be able to put this in and say, you know, hashtag me too. Like, that's all he wanted to do. He wanted to latch on and be a populist in terms of that segment of people. You know, he's jumped into the progressive. I don't know anything about him. I'm just saying it's a weak bitch ass move 
to have a go at a Christmas carol when there's songs like um, Blurred Lines, let's say, for instance. They quote that in the article. You know, the Kanye song I mentioned. You know, any motherfucking hip-hop song any time in history. <laughs> you know, what do you want to do? Close the fucking genre down? You're picking on Christmas? Do something else. How about that? Fill your time on the air with important things, not bullshit, Glenn Anderson or whatever the fuck your name is. I just think it's absurd overall. And I think anybody that's on that sort of a wavelength, you know, is just misguided, uninformed, uneducated, narrow-minded, just not looking at the truth of the matter. You know, anyways, keeping with our combative theme, keeping with our combative theme, can we talk just quickly about uh, the Trump and Cohen situation that's unfolded uh, during uh, the during like I think what it was the day before the day of uh, the G20 summit? You know, he um, Michael Cohen, who is Trump's fixer, has completely flipped. He's, he's working fully with Mueller and has a plea deal. <laughs> and I don't know what that, the details of that plea deal are yet, but I'm sure with the amount that he's been helping, he'll be looking for a severely reduced sentence. You know, he was hoping to, Michael Cohen was hoping to get a pardon from Trump, but Trump's left that motherfucker in the dirt quick, you know? He's uh, he's dusted him off. He's just like, that guy's a loser. He's a criminal, you know, fucking just sent him upstream. No paddle. See you later. So Cohen's like, fuck you. You know, Paul Manafort's still trying to hold out, but we'll see. We'll see what comes with that. But I just thought, okay, cool. This is like, you know, uh, Michael Flynn, who has also been extensively working. The Mueller has received a... Uh, has received a recommendation on behalf of the special prosecutor's office uh, that he has leniency showed on his sentence to the degree that he's not incarcerated at all, you know, and in a special counsel investigation like this, those recommendations will be, you know, will be looked at very seriously, I would imagine. And I think Cohen wants to get in on some of the action. You know, Paul Manafort is still holding out. He's like, fuck you, motherfucker. It's like, you know, he's trying to play gangster till the end. But, you know, that's a that's a that's a potential dying prison scenario for him. You know, whereas Michael Cohen's a little bit younger than that. And I think he he might see some light at the end of the tunnel and and darkness if he stays with uh, with his tangerine man, you know. So it's been a real, real kind of combative week between those two because, you know, he's completely flipped on Trump. And this is a guy that said, you know, he'll ride or die with that motherfucker until the end. And he's just like, nope, I'm out. This is getting a bit too real now. See you later. I'm fucking I'm jumping ship. He he high dived straight off of that ship did, did uh you know did three somersaults on the tuck position and landed like a cone head without a splash he was like i am gone so he's got a plea deal and that'll be interesting to see what revelations because he's effectively attached cooperation with a real estate deal right for those of you guys that don't um 
have the time or the patience or the inclination to look at any of this uh, in detail and just hear kind of headlines from one side or another. The, the, the effective uh, plea deal is in regards to information connecting a business deal with a hotel um, that Trump was trying to have built in Russia uh, during uh, the lead up to the presidential nomination. So I think it was during the time period where he was campaigning as a Republican uh, candidate for president, not actually the nominee. But uh, apparently the deal didn't go through and so on and so forth. But it contradicts so many statements that Trump's made in the past. It's contradicted the fact that he didn't know Putin. (coughs) It's contradicted, you know, a number of different aspects of you know, previous things that Donald Trump has said, you know, stopping short of calling him a, a bold-faced lie, you know, it looks really, really bad. And apparently Trump has answered uh, in writing Robert Mueller's questions. And I think one of the questions that was stated by the New York Times was that Mueller asked Trump, do you have any real estate ventures or interests in Russia? I believe that was one of the questions. So we don't know the answer to that. Because we don't know the answers yet to the questions uh, that were asked. So it's been a pretty hectic battle between the special counsel and the Trump administration this week on that side of the pond. And it's, you know, I've never thought it's been looking good for Trump, but this just seems like a little bit of a different thing. It seems like Mueller's getting to the end of, you know, the end of this process, the end of this investigation. It looks like he's getting things wrapped up. And I think we are currently up to about 18 indictments, if I'm correct. Uh, I might be off on that, but it's significant. You know, so anybody that's, a, you know, in line or agreeing with this description as a witch hunt or just, uh, you know, a nothing adventure is is misinformed because it already has. And you can't really look at, I hate to be one of these guys, right? But you, you can't be one of these people that reads the headlines on the mainstream media and think you know what the fuck is going on. You just can't. You have to dig a bit deeper than that. You have to read the, um, you know, you have to read full articles, man. You can't just skim through headlines. You have to click on links if you're reading on Twitter. You have to go a little bit deeper. Um, And I'm not saying I'm a political expert or anything like that because I'm absolutely not. But I do read a little bit more, I think, than the average person and hopefully understand it the same way, you know. But... This just seems like a bit of a, like like we're almost there, like a like a bit of a climax now. I think we're getting there, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I, I think I think he's kind of on you know on wobbly legs. You know, I don't know. This is an old man we're talking about. You know, he's a he's a fighter for sure. But I just think his bullshit's going to catch up with him. I've always thought that. It's just taking a little bit longer. But if the process is tight and if the process is complete, convincing and undeniable, then I'm all for it. And, you know, it's that whole thing. You know, the the real eventualities will, you know, 
the supposed the the proper eventualities will always um, will always manifest if you take the time and, and and just deal with the process, right? It's what we talked about before in terms of accountability and adherence to a process. If you just stick with it and do it right, don't cut corners, eventually you'll get the result that you're looking for. And it's not exactly the same in terms of a legal sense, right? Because obviously if they would have done their due diligence and nothing would have come up, then they would have, but that would have been a, a an end to the process as well because it would have exonerated Trump and made true all the things that Trump has been saying. But unfortunately, it's been going on for a year and a half or whatever, and they're indicting and continue to indict a whole bunch of people. And it just feels like the noose is getting a little bit smaller and the circle of, of people involved is getting a little bit closer and closer to Trump. And, you know, who knows what's going to come in the next uh, in the next little while. But, uh, I mean... I think the glitch in the matrix might, you know, be ready to reset itself. Uh, you know, even Lindsey Graham on this uh, Mohammed bin Salman murder conspiracy. Even Lindsey Graham, who's one of the the Trumpeteers, as you were, as it were, uh, you know, someone who always tries to g him up and bring him up and you know support him. Even he's turned around and now said, you know, it's not a case of the smoking gun. It's a case of the smoking saw, indicating that they've also heard whatever tape and seen whatever video they have on this, where Shoggy, the Washington Post journalist, was attacked, beaten, and eventually murdered and dismembered before being taken back to Saudi Arabia and presumably disposed of some way, somehow, whatever. Um, and the fact that Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, the you know crown prince of Saudi Arabia, was directly connected to it. And of course he was. Of course he was. You can't just cause that kind of shit internationally without the fucking head guy sign off and involvement and probably order. You just can't. It doesn't work that way. You're the one that gets disappeared next if you're the one that does something without express written consent from the man in charge. But Trump stays with him. And with climate change, Trump stays with it. You know, I mean, every single time. We've talked about this before, and I'm almost done with him. But we've talked about this before. He always gets it incorrect. Always. You wait. And we haven't really touched on this in a while. But I have been saying it since the jump off of this podcast. We are heading for a recession. A worse recession than we had before. And one that is going to be more difficult to overcome. We are definitely heading towards that. All indices relate towards that trend. And again, I'm not an economist. I just read a little bit. And I listen a little bit to the right people, I hope. Or maybe they're completely wrong and this is not going to happen. And... <laughs> 
I've been listening to the wrong people, which is a great thing, right? But I don't know. I don't know. They're feeling it bad in America and shit is not going very well in the UK. I mean, this Brexit nonsense is just insane. So she secured Theresa May. We're jumping back over into the pond, by the way. We're going back and forth, guys. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're just sitting here talking. So she's come back from Brussels with a deal. The deal is the hard border, Northern Ireland will stay in the single market until a better deal than the one she's constructed or agreed to is reached. So it's effectively an imperpetuity thing, right? There's no end date on that. So anyways, the entire government was held in contempt yesterday, right? Now, again, I say it again, I'm not a political expert. But that's not good, right? It's like the first time in 40 odd years that that's happened. There is zero faith in this current government in the UK. Now, speaking of combative, I'm watching the PMQs today and she is going back at these guys like a goddamn savage and good for her. I can't stand this woman, but good for her. But she fought back today and that looked good. That looked good. That's my cats going nuts. I gave him some catnip earlier. Um, she looked good. But the fact remains is the deal presented is untenable. Untenable for a number of different reasons. But specifically this imperpetuity single market Northern Ireland issue, I think it's Northern Ireland, right? Am I talking shit? Um, is a massive problem, obviously, and a sticking point that caused chaos in the house last night. But like I said, she came back. She's not going to win this fight. And I don't know where that leaves us. And that's why I say it's fucked up in the UK too. Because we don't know what <laughs> we don't know what tomorrow brings. You know, we don't know what's coming. We have no idea. That's the fucking problem. There should be a demand to have this thing debated. Absolutely outlined. No conflation, no hyperbole, just facts. And there needs to be a fact checker involved in the process that calls out the person if they make a statement that's untrue. CNN did this with Donald Trump, I think, on one of his statements, and they were calling out all the things that he was saying that were incorrect. And it was just like a fucking ticker of just like nonstop information that he was just, nope, 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 that was this, this was that, this was that, this was that. And that's what we need. We need, bring all the leaders of the political party together. And I'm talking, this motherfucker needs to be a five-hour event. We're not playing around. This is not one hour in prime time on the BBC. This is get that shit down on record, even if you've only got 100,000 people watching it live. Have a moderator and a fact checker there that is allowed to interrupt and correct any misstatements that are made by anybody that's part of this debate. 
Let's get the fact of what Brexit looks like currently. I mean, you can go ahead and read the 585 pages if you want to try to digest that. But let's get this thing laid out. Let the people tune into it. Play it on repeat for a week. There's ways you can get this to people. There's so many easy ways to get this to people. But the problem is nobody knows what the fuck is going on. We know snippets. But that's what led to this problem in the first place. The the negotiations have been a mess. We don't know what we're getting. We don't know what we've lost. And how the fuck are we supposed to carry on with any sort of certainty under those conditions? So I think it's time that in the spirit of combat that the people of the UK start fighting a little bit as well. What if there's a delay to your medicine because of Brexit? You don't know. What if you have a, 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 a spouse or a friend, a very close friend, a partner, a girlfriend, a wife, a husband, doesn't matter, whatever, right? And they're not a UK citizen. Do they get to stay here? like indefinitely are they pretty much like are they cool like can they naturalize can they become a british citizen quicker than normal or do they have to get the fuck out you don't know because it's not clear we don't know what these policies are nobody's telling us what these policies are and that's a problem and i think for that reason we need to have a a a clarification in the way of a, of a public discussion that is moderated and fact-checked to get to the bottom of what's going on. And then add a digital element to it, let people vote on it during the show and when they watch it on demand. Do that. Start to fight back. The people need to fight back. My local councilman doesn't give a shit about the people that live in his constituency. I have emailed that man and I've even blown him up on this podcast and tagged him in it and nothing. So guess who loses a vote? Because you don't have the balls or the inclination, Matthew Penny Cook, to engage with your constituents. And this is a problem. This is a problem on a bigger scale with Brexit. So it's been quite combative and I think there's a vote coming Tuesday on where we go from here, but it's not good. And you should speak out if you have a problem about this, if you have a problem with this, be vocal. That's what things like Twitter are for. They're mechanisms for getting in touch. Write a post on Facebook. It's going to be diluted. It's going to probably not make sense. Have a ton of grammar mistakes. But fuck it. Get your voice out. And tag somebody in it. So they can share it. Or so they can look at it. Or so one of their cronies can see it. There's ways of getting in touch with people. It's whether or not they respond. And think they have to respond. But if enough people get in touch. And enough people try to make their voice heard addressed directly to the person they want to converse with, then eventually you'll get a response.
All you got to do is look at France and look at Paris and let's look at what's been going on there. Talk about combative. <laughs> Those motherfuckers were burning shit down because of a fuel hike, putting the gas prices up, right? Cutting into people's livelihood, making them work poor, travel poor. And they said, fuck it. Let's get out on the streets and let it be known. And they still weren't being listened to, so they escalated that shit. And do I condone violence? Not really. But I understand frustration. I understand the, the, the feeling of necessity to do something when your pockets are being squeezed or when you're being backed into a corner where the only thing you can actually do is fight back and try to stand up for yourself and have some self-respect and say, no, I will not be taken advantage of. No, I will not be lied to. No, I will not be made a fool of. Not if I can help it. And they responded. And the government has frozen the tax or the fuel tax hike. So it's worked. Because they started burning shit down. Now I'm not condoning that methodology. I'm just saying you need to have your voice heard. And I'm just saying that it is important to know that you can be heard. And that you should be heard. Now, if you come to the party with a, a stupid ass fucking argument and you sound like a goddamn idiot, then, okay, get the fuck out. We're looking for concise. We're looking for critical thinking. We're looking for unbiased factual opinion. We don't want weirdos coming in screaming rhetoric, hyperbole, and bullshit. You know what, you know what I mean? When an argument descends into chaos because one person can't think, so they just start screaming and yelling and, you know, just acting dumb. When an argument surpasses the level of vocabulary a person has or emotional intelligence a person has and it descends into chaos, maybe some of that happened in France. But I can understand frustration if you're trying to have a conversation and the other person isn't responding or listening. then maybe you need to yell a little bit louder. But you need to yell in a decisive, definitive, and targeted way. They can't have their main city fucked up. They can't have these fluorescent jacket hooligans running around burning shit on the Champs-Élysées. That's untenable. What you need to do is make more of an investment in solar power, re renewable energy, so you're not so reliant on fossil fuels. Instead of trying to rape people of their, what little disposable income they may have. I mean, I've heard the tax system in France is disgraceful, but I don't know too much about that. What I do know is it's been a hell of a combative week. And we have to talk about the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder heavyweight championship fight this weekend, right? Past, this, this weekend past. A fight which, for all accounts, I have to say, Tyson Fury one-handedly for me. One-handedly for me. 
but they called it a draw. Of course they did. Combat sports. What's combat sports without a few corrupt referees and judges? Right? That's par for the course with boxing these days and forever. Some judge scored it 115 to 111 for Deontay Wilder. Now you might as well have not watched the fight and called it that way. Because if you saw any of those four rounds, you understand how ludicrous it is for those to be awarded to Deontay Wilder. Tyson Fury did win the fight handily. It was a little closer than some on the Fury side of the coin might want to make it seem. But let's not get it twisted. It was decisive. There were a couple knockdowns from Deontay Wilder. Sure. Give those 10-8s. Give those 10-8s. I still think Fury wins because even on the time in the 12th when he got dropped, he got up and won the rest of the round. Right? Like, I don't know about boxing. Do you give it a 10-8 immediately at a knockdown or what? I'm not sure how that works, to be honest with you. But I gave the contest to Fury, no doubt. Um... The thing about Tyson Fury, right, is I was big on Under Armour. I still am. I love the brand. But as a consequence, during my time when I was working with them, I that was the time that Anthony Joshua was being signed to Under Armour. And I was a big fan of Anthony Joshua, and I thought he would beat both Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury at the time. And I think after this fight, between Wilder and Fury. I don't think he beats either of them if they fight right now. He's like a somewhere in the middle guy for me. Like, you know, he can have flashes of real greatness. But the way Tyson Fury was moving and, 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 and countering was just superb. And Anthony Joshua doesn't have that level of movement. Similarly, on the other side, he doesn't have the power of a Wilder. He's a powerful puncher, no doubt, for sure. Look what he did to Klitschko. But Deontay Wilder is, is, a, is a more powerful puncher. I think that goes without question. So I don't know. I think they need to make that fight. But first, I want the rematch of this. And I want that rematch to be in England, in Manchester. It would be great if it was in Old Trafford. That would be fucking crazy, by the way. But, you know, this is Tyson Fury, man. Talk about combative. He's a boxer in life. He's a traveler. You know, that's his kind of family origin. You probably know if you know anything about boxing. Um, but the fight that he's had for, with himself since the Klitschko fight where he's blown up and, you know, recognized this mental health issue that he has and this depression that he has and these, you know, suicidal tendencies that he has and this alcoholism that he has and this drug abuse that he has. Like, the fact that he's so open with it is so incredible to me. Like, I just, I love that kind of disclosure for positive reasons, right? That's just... I mean, the, the amount of people. And I heard he's donating his entire purse to charity. It's something like $8 million or something like that. I heard the whole thing is being donated to charity. I mean, come on, man. This guy's a fucking legend if that's true. 
So I just wanted to say, like, I'm not going to, like, sit here round by round and analyze it. Go watch the fight. It's on YouTube. I think Tyson Fury outboxed him. Deontay Wilder had a couple good knockdowns. He, you know, showed a little bit more variety than he normally does. But overall, Fury won that fight by at least a couple of points. And and I think it was a bit of a robbery. And maybe that's just to get the rematch uh, done, you know, double it up, do it again. But I think he could have made that fight twice and possibly a third time if you would have done it honestly anyways. Like, I don't think you making it a draw makes that much of a big like if of course it does because it's a tiebreaker or whatever right draw you know who's gonna win of course there's that marketing angle to it but it was such a good fight and i was so impressed with fury and the way he was moving for a big dude um i would watch that fight you know three four times you know so just a bit of a shame that boxing you know is on par for where it usually is in terms of its corruption and its bullshit with its judging you know, especially that dickhead, I don't even know his name, but one of the judges, like I said, gave it 115 to 111 for Deontay Wilder, which, like, what fucking universe are you living in? That's like saying Chuck Liddell beat Tito Ortiz. You called it a knockout for, for Chuck Liddell. It's like, no, he was on the floor unconscious. Like, what are you actually talking about? You know? So, congratulations to both those guys. It was a hell of a fight. Um... But I definitely think that Tyson Fury won. And I used to not like Tyson Fury very much. I thought he was a bit obnoxious and a bit annoying. But now it just seems like he's turned a corner. He's doing so much better. I hope he sticks with it. I can't wait to fucking see him again. Um, I kind of said that like he was coming round. I can't wait to see him fight again. Um... And yeah, what a contest. What a contest. Two enormous men. Although Wilder was about 40 pounds lighter. 30 pounds lighter. Something like that. So, um, But yeah, hell of a fight. And I think the... Before we get into the UFC and wrap this bitch up... I want to talk about a book I got because I mentioned him on the last podcast and I was gifted this book. Like I fucking, I'm over the moon about it. Um, so last episode I talked about Ross Edgeley, the guy that swam around England, um, swam around the UK, all right? 157 days, six hours on, six hours off, six hours on, six hours off were his days right? Savage. The kid's a unit. But I mentioned on the last show, he's, an, he's like a scientist too. Like he's, he works at um, Loughborough University in England, which is like the foremost leading like sports science um, institution, I guess. Uh, but he's got a book out called The Fittest Book in the World, I believe it is. And a guy at my work, um, guy that runs my team actually, uh, he ordered it and accidentally ordered two. And so he brought one in and gave it to me. I was chuffed to bits. That's my holiday reading, sorted. And I was just flicking through a couple pages and it, it looks really good. So I can't wait to get into that. 
because talk about a battle. This guy swam around England, <laughs> swam around the UK nonstop, right? 157 days nonstop. It's, cra it's crazy. It's crazy even to say it. Um, so talk about a battle and I talk about, you know, accountability and adherence and, you know, staying motivated and doing what's right for you and, and all that across this show, across the episodes in this show, we talk about that. And it's a book like this that I needed at, at a time like this with a number of different things going on in my life personally, um, you know, things professionally going pretty good. Uh, you know, I love doing this show as well, but in terms of the fitness and the nutrition side of it, I've been in a really, really healthy place just recently on a really good routine. Couple slip ups, which I got to reset on and I'm doing that. But I think a book like this is going to help the ongoing, you know, I call it a battle. It's not really a battle. It's a lifestyle. It's something I enjoy. I love that process of working out and kind of pushing myself and things like that. But Hearing a guy like this talk, like Ross Edgley talk about fitness and nutrition and things like that and, and being able to dive into it, I'm really looking forward to. And that's going to help the battle that I'm having, quote unquote, battle that I'm having with myself at the moment to stay on course, to stay consistent. You know, some days waking up, believe it or not, some days waking up at 4.30, 4.40 in the morning is not that pleasurable. Right. I talk about adherence to the process. I talk about, you know, accountability and, and all of that. That that's tough, man. Like dragging yourself out of bed before 5 a.m. five days a week is tough. But I do it because it's the best way I can adhere to the process. Because it's non-negotiable, right? We've talked about this before. The battle is with the process, adherence to the process. The alarm goes off, do you switch it off and go back to sleep? Or do you get up, put your feet on the ground and go and wash the sleep out of your eyes? Go brush your teeth and get to the gym, right? Which one do you do? There's the easy way. This was the episode title last time. It's the easy way or the right way. You're gonna press snooze or you're gonna get the fuck up and do it. So adherence to the process is the most important thing. And finding a process that you can adhere to is probably actually even more important than that. And I just wonder what nuggets of information are in this, in this book that I can pull out that are going to help me push forward. Because you would imagine a kid that can swim. I call him a kid. He's a man, obviously. Um, I think he's just a few years younger than me. But, you know, someone who can do that sort of an activity choose to do that sort of an activity, stick with it, go through it, face the adversity that I've heard just brief snippets of. I think there's going to be something in those in those pages that can uh, that, that can keep me pressing forward. Not that I need it because I'm going to keep doing it anyways because I love it. But every now and again, you need a little jolt of lightning to hit you in the backside to say, keep going, push a little more if you can. You know, don't rest now. You're not done. It's a lifestyle. And every... Every so often, you need a little reminder of that because your finger might, you know, you might have had eight months of getting up early before the sun and doing those workouts and, and eating right and doing all that. But on that ninth month, you might find it a little bit more difficult to press 
uh, off on the alarm and actually get up and put your feet on the ground. You might find it a little bit more difficult. And that's when you have to find, rediscover that why that made you start doing it in the first place. Why did you get up that first session that then became two sessions, which then became five, which then became 10 and so on and so forth. And what led you to doing it for all of that extended period of time? That's what you have to do at that point. And I've done a few of those, right? I've been going at this now for poof, near on five years and plenty of times I've had to say, you know, you got to dig deep and go, <laughs> just go. Even if you haven't been, there's been days, you know, when I've had a few days off and that that next day in is just a tough one. It's just a tough one and you got to figure out why you're doing it. And the why has to be something for you. It has to be a selfish motivation. Otherwise, you can find countless reasons why not to do it. So I got this book. It was gifted to me. I'm grateful uh, to, to, to him for doing that and handing it over to me. That was, a, that was a serendipitous mistake that he made in his ordering process, but it worked out great. Um, and if he listens to this, I'm willing to uh, pay for it and transfer you the money back. No problem. It doesn't have to be a gift, um, but I appreciate it as one. So that battle with myself continues and, you know, pushing through and continuing, you know, that, that that ongoing consistency is is always looming in the background, you know, that niggly little voice that says, you know, take a couple more hours today. You're working from home. You don't have to get up right now, you know, but no, not a fucking chance. But I'm looking for I'm looking for something, man. I, I'm looking for something a little bit motivational at the moment. I'm looking forward to seeing what's in there and pulling out any knowledge that the guy has because he's like I said, he he knows his shit. So ongoing battle with myself. And again, sticking with that combative theme, right? Combative theme all day long, which takes us into the last bit of this show today, which is a look at the upcoming event uh, of the UFC, which is uh, UFC 231. And that's between uh, the, the headline is, is Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega, a fight that was supposed to happen some time ago, but Max Holloway got injured. Uh, but now it's going on. It's 19-3 Max Holloway, who has, you know, a very, very long winning streak versus undefeated 14-0 Brian Ortega, who has been, you know, kind of running through a lot of these top guys in that division. So really looking forward to the 145 championship. Um, but the card overall, not bad, not bad in Canada. So you're going to see some kind of familiar Canadian faces. Uh, Theodoro and Oban Mercier are fighting on the card. So those should be good. Uh, they're, you know, they're always good for a scrap. On the main card, you got called the, the Gedalia um, on the main event of the prelims. So she's fighting. So she's always good for a scrap. Um, but then in the main card, you've got, and this is taking place in Toronto, obviously. Uh, so you've got Jimmy Manoa, poster boy. I don't know why it says from the USA. He's definitely from, uh, from London, but never mind. Uh, maybe he's a American citizen now. Who knows? But number seven versus number 15, 
Tiago Santos. And if you don't know Tiago Santos, he has a massive four hammer tattooed on his chest. He's fucking huge. Um, he's been doing work recently. Um, so this is a real potential for him to move up because Mano was seventh. And, you know, he's fought Gustafson. He's fought, you know, did he fight DC? Fought Rumble. Um, so, yeah, it's a good opportunity for Tiago to put Manoa on his resume with a, with a decisive victory. Would move him right up the list uh, in the light heavyweight division. So, that kicks off the main card. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. If, if Manoa catches him, of course, you know, he can put him to sleep. But I think... Uh, I think I'm going to go with the uh, with the number 15 seed on that one. I think I'm going to go with Santos on that one. Uh, in the next fight, you've got uh, Hakeem uh, Dawoodoo uh, versus Kyle Bochniak. So a couple scrappers, 8-0 versus 8-3. That's in the 145-pound division as well, so that should be pretty high tempo. Uh, not a lot to say about this fight other than they should be pretty exciting. Uh, I would... <sighs> I don't know, man. Bosniak can scrap. I'll go with Bosniak on that one. I don't know Hakeem uh, too much. Canadian fighter, but he looks like a fucking athlete if you see him on uh, on UFC.com. Uh, the next fight is Gunnar Nelson versus Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Uh, number 13 versus number 14. Gunnar Nelson's uh, the 14 on that. Uh, I don't know. You've got a stand-up guy predominantly in in uh, in Cowboy Oliveira versus you know a, a really good grappler in Gunnar Nelson. So it should be an interesting fight. Uh, it depends what Gunnar kind of pitches up, I suppose. You know, Cowboy's always going to come with it. He always likes a fight. Brazilian cat, you know, always likes a good scrap, long, rangy, you know, tall, good kicks, you know, pretty good elbows. He's decent on the ground. Uh, I don't know, man. They match up pretty good. Like I said, the reach is in, in Cowboy's favor. But if Gunny can grab him, then, you know, there's a good opportunity to do work on the ground. I'm not sure in that fight, to be honest with you. I do like Gunnar Nelson. You know, he doesn't really say much. But uh, I'll go with Gunnar on that one. We'll see. He, you know, we'll go with the Icelander on the Icelandic feller on that one. Um, and then we're going straight into the co-main event, man. So this is uh, Joanna Janjatek stepping up uh, <coughs> to the 125 division to have a title fight with Valentina Shevchenko. So this must be in relation to the pullout. I got to watch the embedded. I haven't watched the embedded that have been up yet, but this must be in relation to the last minute pullout of uh, Shevchenko's last opponent that was going to be the inaugural uh, flyweight title fight, I think it was, uh, if I've got that right. Uh, so you've got Shevchenko versus uh, Uh So really interesting. But Joanna's coming up, and I think Shevchenko can fight at like 130 or something, like 135. I don't know. I don't know, man. I think they fought before, right? They fought like three times before. I don't know what the outcome of those fights are. Uh, let me see if I can just find anything on it. Um, I don't think so. I think Shevchenko's going to beat her. I really do. I think she's more powerful. Uh, let's have a look. I'm just going to look and see if I can find anything on UFC website. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. 
8 over last 10. Ba -ba 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 -ba. I'm not sure. Anyway, someone will tell me. Someone will tell me. I don't fucking know. But, uh, yeah, I think um, I think Shevchenko. I mean, Joanna's is so crazy talented. You know, she could put work in. Uh, I I just think Shevchenko's going to win. She's got a two-inch reach. She's bigger in the weight class. I don't know if Joanna's power will will match up in this division. I'm not sure. Yeah, everything's telling me go with Shevchenko on this. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Shevchenko. Um, but that should be a hell of a fight. They fought three times before. God, I wish I knew the I wish I knew the record. Hang on one second. Fuck, I wish I had a producer. Um, Shevchenko versus Joanna. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, record? Let's see. See if that brings anything up. Uh, of course not. Yeah, it's for the vacant title. Um, come on, Google. Let me see. Whoa. Is that right? Shevchenko, I'm on MMA junkie. Shevchenko has three wins over over Joanna. What? So she's lost three times to Shevchenko in Muay Thai. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was that. Fuck. Oh, I'm definitely going with Shevchenko. She's not going to win. Joanna's not going to win. She's not going to carry that weight. No. I think Shevchenko's going to win. And it might be decisive. Oh, my goodness. Okay, cool. So I'm, I'm definitely going with that then. Definitely going with that. Okay, cool. So on to the main event. Hang on one second. So rude. Stepping away. And we're back. Okay. So main event time, right? So quickly, who's going to win? Oof. I'm going with Ote Ortega because I like him more. Simple as that. And I think he's a fucking crazy grappler. Um, but his striking looks so good. No, he's ever knocked Frankie out. He knocked him out. He is choked out. He choked out Cub Swanson twice in the same fight. The belt was the only thing that saved him. So um, Max Holloway versus uh, Brian Ortega should be a hell of a fight. Um, we know what Max Holloway brings, but I really worry about the concussion side of things with Holloway and also his time off. Um let me just uh, hang on a second. Hopefully that dog's not going to bark anymore. Yeah. So the so the reach is exactly the same. Um, not that matters. I think on the feet, Max is probably better. There's no contest on the ground. But Ortega's had such an improved time with with the striking that. You know, it's not even that easy to say that, you know, Ortega would lose on the on the feet. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think Ortega's got it. I want Ortega to have it, so I'm going to go with Ortega. Um, that's going to be a great fight regardless. Um, so 
That will be this Saturday um, in Toronto, and that's going to be on uh, BT Sport uh, BT Sport Three, I think. Uh, so 1 a.m. for the prelims and 3 a.m. for the main card to start. Uh, but you know you can always just record it and watch it on a Sunday. But that's it, man. I just I wanted to get through that and uh, and do a show before we left. You know we fly away uh, Friday morning uh, and we'll be back the following uh, Sunday. So what is that, 10 days? I think that's 10 days, something like that. Anyways, it's uh, it's a vacation that I haven't taken in some time, so I'm hyped. Um, so check out that book that I mentioned. It's called The Fittest Book in the World uh, by Ross Edgley. Uh, really, really good. Oh, quick recommendation, Bumping Mics on Netflix. Hilarious. Three parts. Um, two great comedians riffing off each other in a kind of an improvised show with uh, special celebrity guests that come up uh, in a very, very random uh, way, but fantastic. Really, really funny. Definitely worth a watch. So check that out as well. Um, I think that's it, man. That's the end of uh, the combat show, the the combative themed show. Um, it just kind of fell together that way, but it worked. So let's, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, it's It's been a fun one, man. I enjoyed today. Uh, that's an hour gone and, and gone pretty quick. So we'll leave it there. Uh, I won't be doing a show next week because I'll be on an island uh, drinking, uh, eating my body weight in shrimp and snorkeling, diving, exploring the desert uh, and relaxing and spending as much time in a sarong by the pool as possible. So um, that's how we roll because we're fucking, you know, going to be balls out the whole weekend or the whole week. So uh, anyways, until next time, guys, it's been a real pleasure. This is episode, is it, I think it's 62. Is that what I said at the beginning? Episode 62. Yes, indeed. Episode 62 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. You can get us on Twitter. You can get us on Facebook for updates and links to the show. You can download and subscribe on SoundCloud. And, of course, on iTunes or through the Apple Podcast app, you can find us there also. Um, subscribe, man. Let us know what you think. Always want to hear your feedback um, across any of those channels. And uh, and then we'll be back the week after to bring it, bring it all around. And we'll probably do one show before Christmas. And then, uh, and then call it a day until the new year. So we'll see. We'll see how we get on. But um, that's it. So I hope you enjoyed the show, guys. Thanks for listening so much. Um, love to hear from you. Let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, that's it for episode 62. So until next time, guys, all the best. <laughs>